Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. Hi, I'm Heather Renee May, and this is Flipping Dreams podcast. One, two, three, four. Okay, so Leslie, thank you so much for joining me um, to share with my listeners. We actually kind of, we should have probably met actually at Stitch Fix at some point. Um, Leslie Mm -hmm. Barbazette, she used to, um, you can tell more of what your role was there exactly. Um, But um, we were both uh, working at Stitch Fix and then... um, I had reached out to her because one of the, my side projects is that I write articles for RV Inspiration Magazine, which I'll share the link in the this show notes. But um, I ended up covering her and her husband Jay's like gorgeous Airstream renovation. And so um, in writing that, we started talking and realizing like, oh, wait a second. We have this like this common factor, but also... Um, uh, what one of the things that was really interesting to me that I wanted to have you on and share with my my listeners is um, my first couple seasons of Flipping Dreams were all about people who did dramatic things, had dramatic changes to their personal or professional life to live their best lives, and so I I wanted to hear your journey because I know you've gone through something similar, and you're getting ready to launch a school, and so um, anyway. This is kind of a roundabout introduction, um, but I'd love to just kind of chat with you wherever you kind of want to start with um, maybe, yeah, maybe like an overview of (laughs) what you were doing at Stitch Fix and then kind of lead into everything. Yeah, sure. Thank you for having me. It's so so good to see you. Um, So let's see. I was at Stitch Fix from 2018 to 2021. And... I was working on the men's private label side of the business in product development and production. And one of the really exciting things that I got to do while I was there was um, we had bought a factory like six months before I started there. We bought a factory in Pennsylvania and they really didn't really know quite what to do with it. And so um, it was a knitwear factory and a knitting mill and um so my boss at the time was like, hey, do you want to work on this? And I was very excited about that. So I, it's in Moton, Pennsylvania, and I worked with them on figuring out the org structure and getting them up to speed on more um, just up to 
technically. They used a lot of paper patterns and they, you know, didn't have a lot of the softwares that most factories have these days. You know, the factory had been around for like a hundred years and hadn't really made many updates or upgrades. And so coming into that was, was really a great opportunity to get them up to speed so we could utilize them to test new ideas and get them into fixes into clients really quickly. And so I worked with the management there to, to kind of upgrade them and kind of fill them out and make them more efficient. And um, while doing that, we got to focus on sustainability, which was really exciting because we got to decide what we wanted to make there. And so we worked like pretty exclusively with all sustainable materials, recycled cottons, recycled polys. So that was really exciting. And from there, we made a brand called Moat and Mate. It was all sustainable, size inclusive, men's and women's um, knitwear that was like my baby. It was so fun to, to work on that. Um, and so that was kind of my, my side hustle at Stitch Fix. And, but then I was uh, running, I was the product development uh, director for all of men's. And so that was also great. I had a wonderful team. We, you know, utilizing all the data that we get from our customers on the things they like and don't like about the product gives us an enormous amount of information around how our product is landing and what they like, what they like. Something's fitting weird. We changed it pretty immediately. So, um, so yeah, that's what I did at Six, and then I July of 2021. Um, so I was looking for a job in wanted to stay in apparel. Before that, I had worked in accessories and gifts. I helped start a brand for William Sonoma called Mark and Graham. I was the founding designer there. Um, and before that, I was at Levi's for nine years. And so I had a, I have a mix of kind of accessories, home, apparel. And so I was looking for sort of anything in that realm from design to product development to production, you know, anywhere in the product life cycle. I'd be pretty happy. Um, and I got a job in LA um, at a company called The Great. And that was uh, pretty short-lived. Um, I, just in general, in Los Angeles, I think that um, i just not cut out for LA apparel. <laughs> so um, Wait, before you I worked continue, at another... Before you continue on, I wanted to just um, play back a second because your audio glitched out just a little bit. Um, but, um, you, you, you were affected by a riff. And so that's why, um, you had left stitch fix, um, kind of not voluntarily and <laughs> which was very yeah. unfortunate. Um, and the Moten made, I, I actually have a couple shirts that I covet that were made oh. there. So like it, it nice. was definitely, I remember, so I'm on the engineering side, which is why Leslie and I didn't interface very much. Um, and so it's, it's pretty fascinating stitch fix in itself. I mean, the whole, fashion styling side is so separate from our engineering side and what we do, um, kind of mm -hmm. bringing the two together for our clients. But, um, I remember when we opened or when we bought the mill and I was so excited for the possibilities that could happen there. So, um, unfortunately we have also sold it, uh, as part of the reduction of everything at Stitch Fix to have a renewed vision and a renewed, uh, mission mm -hmm. moving forward but um but you did tell me that someone that the mill's still going because I was really there were a lot of really mm -hmm. dedicated workers that we had kind of yeah. adopted when we bought it so I would love to hear yeah. yeah so yes we had we had a pretty small team that we grew um 
but there were sewers that had been there since you know, for 40 years and they're still there, which is great. So Buck Mason actually bought it from Stitch Fix, which is a fantastic brand. They have beautiful stuff. They're really um, focused on sustainability and made in America. So I was really, really ecstatic to see they were, they were buying Moton because it, it's like the, the best for them. You know, Stitch Fix, it was like a it, it wasn't a huge priority for Stitch Fix. It was like a, a nice little thing that they had. But, yeah. you know, I think with Buck Mason buying it, it has become more of a priority to make sure that it really works and is running efficiently and all of those things. So I'm just happy that I got to contribute to like making it worth buying um, by a really great brand. So, yeah. yeah, there's still a lot of great people there um, working. And there's, you know, there's people that we that I helped hire when when I was there that are still there, and there are people that that were there before me that are still there. So, super exciting. That's awesome. What a great legacy too to like be part of that and then continue to pass it on, even though you know everything didn't it didn't happen the way you were expecting, but um, but still, right. you know, yeah. you you definitely yeah. Made I your was mark. really happy to see. Yeah, I was really happy to see that they didn't close it, that they they yeah. bought it. That's awesome. Or they sold it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So back to LA and mm-hmm. LA style fashion has got to be way different than, I don't know. Way different. I mean, yeah. Very different. Um, I think that there's just, um, you know, there's something in smaller brands and just, I think smaller brands versus like larger going from like Levi's, Lane Sonoma, Stitch Fix, where these really big companies and a little bit more corporate there's just a certain amount there's just a certain level of behavior that is you kind of come to expect and that's definitely not the case in smaller brands and it just wasn't a good fit for me um so yeah so now i am focused on building a school um we i have so so re, I guess rewind to when the pandemic happened and I was working from home and um, Jay went in lockdown. Jay had moved in with me and we were building, he built a chicken coop because his job, he couldn't work anymore because it was, um, you know, it was too with people, sure. <laughs> I guess, yeah. um, with COVID. And so um, we, you know, when we had started dating we wanted, um, you know, one of the things that we really connected on was taking classes and crafting. And he is a blacksmith by trade and um, he's an amazing knife maker. And so when he moved in, we started doing lots of, you know, homesteading and crafting and we got chickens and he was making bread, you know, all the typical things that people did. (laughs) Hang hang on. I got to know, like, how did you meet each other? I mean, that's like a side story, but it sounds, I'm like, how do you meet a knife making blacksmith and like, chicken coop yeah this is awesome right we met on tinder which is like yeah we met on tinder and is one of those things where I think the first message because I I had something in my profile about that I like to take classes because I I, I've been taking classes at um a lot of different places but there was a place in um in the bay area called handcraft studio school which I loved and you know I took like um calligraphy classes and uh perfume making classes and um uh wood block printing classes and just all these different classes i would 
every year I would take a class um, in the fall and basically make all of my presents for my friends. Um, and I took a lot of, I took ceramics for three years at Potter's Studio in Berkeley. And so for me, crafting in general and taking classes is a great way to just turn my brain off. And, you know, it's a great outlet creatively for me to do something if I don't have a creative job at the time. Um, and so, so yeah, I think I put in my profile that I liked to take classes and he messaged me and I was like, Oh, what kind of classes do you take? And I was like, Oh, that's good. Cause usually the messages that you get on, yeah. on Tinder, like, Hey, How's it going? <laughs> if they ask any questions yeah, at all. Yeah, exactly. Any, There's a lot yeah. of nu- knuckles drag- dragging in <laughs> Tinder messages. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. The dating internet is not a great place to be. Um, but a great thing that came out of it is meeting Jay for sure. So, That's awesome. Um, yeah, who's not my husband. Oh, he's sorry. My, he's my partner. But we're, that's okay. My assumption. Um, sorry. But yeah, no, I mean, we, we, so we started dating in, um, 2019. So we had been dating for six months when, when COVID happened. And, um, so he moved in with his cat, Apollo. And, um, yeah, from there we were, um, I was just like, what am I doing with my life? I'm, I'm what's, what's the rest of my life going to look like? Do I really want to be working in fashion when I'm like 60? And, I really just started to think through the things that brought me joy and really what brings me joy is learning things and learning new things and working with my hands and just crafting. I'm a really big knitter. I've been knitting since I was like, um, since I was like eight years old. And so that's something that I love doing. And um, so I was just thinking like, wouldn't it be great to just like, do crafts all the time. <laughs> yeah. And so it we started to think about, you know, getting land somewhere and then we we started the the search for land also was a way just to get out of the bay area and we'd go camping and we so we'd just drive around to different um like we had requirements of like we wanted there to be water on the land, we wanted it to be around 2 hours away from where we lived. And um so we just started I reached out to uh, real estate agent and started looking at properties and camping and um, Grass Valley in Nevada City, that area is somewhere that I've, you know, I've spent some time going to on the way to Tahoe, on the way back from Tahoe. I, a friend of mine, her parents lived up there and we'd have like girls weekends up in at her parents' house when they weren't around. And so I was familiar with it. And actually my ancestors are from Grass Valley. Like my one of my great, 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 great grandmothers um, was like the ninth white woman to like register in Grass Valley. So it's why we have this, uh, I have this, you know, ancestry there. And my great, great grandmother, Pearl, um, used to run the Bret Hart Inn, which is like in downtown Grass Valley. And so, you know, my, we've got, my mom used to take me to Grass Valley on, um, on road trips to see the see the headstones at the graveyard there, and so we I definitely have a connection to Grass Valley, and so that was one of the places that we were avidly looking, and we looked for quite a few months, and every time I would look at a property, I would call the principal planner of Nevada, of Nevada County, 
and say like, okay, we want like will this work for the craft school? Because there's so many different requirements when you're when you're wanting to have a, something that's open to the public on land. Like you have to have two different entrances. You can't have it can't be down like the end of a a road that is like a dead end and there's just a lot of different requirements and I didn't want to like buy somewhere and then find out we couldn't use it for our school. And so I would call him every time I would come up to go look and um, he would tell me like yes or no or where the red flags could possibly be. And so this was actually the first property that we looked at where he was like, yeah, I think this is actually a good one. Like it's, it's on a pretty main road, but it's also it feels like it's in the middle of nowhere, which is wonderful. And it has water and it, um, it had all the things like it was checking all of our boxes. It was beautiful. We bought it from this guy who lived not super far from there, but he just would go there and irrigate it for cattle. He would he had he had cows on it and it's about 15 acres a little over 15 acres. And it had it's at the end of um an irrigation canal and so we're it's not maintained by Nevada County, but we have a lot of water going through our property, which is wonderful. So we get to like get the floaties out when it's really nice and float on the canal. That's awesome. <laughs> um yeah, so we we found this property and pretty quickly um found a civil engineering company in in Nevada County and partnered with them on what our vision was. And the principal planner of Nevada County recommended that we do what's called a pre-application. And so that is an opportunity to tell the county what you want to do. And um, they get all the county heads, like environmental health and fire and all of those different county heads that look at your proposal, they look at the land and they tell you any red flags. So this is a, this is a good way to just get an initial, like, like, like for example, if you're wanting to do something that's not zoned for that, like there's some hard nose. And so we just wanted to find out if there were any hard nose. And so our land is zoned agricultural and we wanted to to do a craft school that also incorporated like tent camping and like platform tent camping. So it was like, you know, a little bit more luxurious than just popping a tent. And camping is allowed, but um school like a school situation we needed a use permit and so we went through the pre-application process and we didn't get any red flags there which was good and then we started the use permit um which is incredibly involved and we've been in that process for three years now we're like almost at the end we've had to do three different submittals where you have to show floor plans and elevations of you have to show a site plan that has all like drainage and landscaping and a photometric. Um, we had to get a noise study, a traffic study, a biological study, a cultural study. Um, I think there were other studies. There were so many studies. It was insane. Um, but it's a, it's a pretty intense process to do. And, um, you know, we did the first submittal and, when we did the first submittal, we got like 22 pages of notes back on things that we needed to to build out and clarify. And we actually met in person with all the heads of the county offices, which was really great to meet them in person. 
and uh, go over all the notes and so we could ask any questions that we wanted. And what was amazing is that everybody in that room was really excited about the craft school. And so it was definitely like, they're all on board, like, let's make it happen. But here's the things that you need to to do. And sure. we basically have to design everything to get approval before they even say, yes, you can do this on your property. Wow. <laughs> This whole planning process, like here you are, okay, so you've got the piece of land and you're like having to hire someone to architect, to plan a planner to do it mm -hmm. based on that piece of land and all of those things. And then like, what if you turn it in and they're like, no. And then you're like, oh, great. We just spent all that money. And now we got to go to yeah. a different piece of land and start from scratch with the plan. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. That is so terrifying, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's. A little bit scary because we've done all this work. We've spent a lot of money and we still don't know if we're going to be able to do this on our property. I mean, all signs are pointing to yes. And we've gone through a lot of, so a, a couple months ago, um, the Nevada County planning, planning department, department and planning commission started to, to, they just started to institute this like, concerned citizens community, like a committee where it would be a public hearing, oh, sorry. Um, a public hearing and, um, sorry, I totally lost my train of thought. Okay. Oh, that you're going to be presenting at this planning. So yeah, yeah. So we, were, we were presenting at this, um, committee, uh, open to the public and, um, our civil engineer was actually there presenting. We were on zoom and, um, the committee had questions. And, um, you know, most of the questions were around traffic and noise and uh, water. Um, so we, we kind of appeased some of their worries because we have done a traffic study that shows that we won't have any impact. Um, we did a noise study after this to make sure that there's not going to be any impact noise wise. Um, and so the, you know, there were definitely people in the in the audience that, you know, raised some concerns, but when I talked to the planners, they were like, there was nothing in there that made us want to really, you know, change our mind sure, about support. Sure. So that was great. That was exciting to see that the committee themselves were all really excited about it. And so they advised the planning commission and um, the planning commission is who will be going in front of for a town hall and we'll get our approval from them that hopefully will happen sometime this summer. So uh -huh. the next step is waiting for now that we've resubmitted our application a third time, hopefully they'll be, it'll be deemed complete. They have like a few more weeks to let us know if it's complete. And then they go through a lot of different channels and do, you know, their kind of bureaucratic work to, they have to alert our neighbors within a certain distance about the town hall. So I'm hoping that this summer we'll be able to get the use permit. And well, and not only that, get support from the neighbors who are going to find out what's going on and want to be involved, which is hopefully totally. will be a really great thing too. Yeah, we do have the neighbors that we know are on board and, and really like it. But living in the country, it's really hard to meet your neighbors. Yeah, I know that <laughs> in Texas. Yeah. You can't just walk onto somebody's property because you'll be met with a shotgun. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so you really have to meet them through other neighbors and, 
you know, you have to be like, you know, on your property, you kind of wave at them. And so, so far, so good. We've everyone that we have met is excited about it, which is fantastic. Um, and hopefully this will give us the opportunity to meet more. And, um, and if they do have any concerns, then you know, obviously we'll talk to them about what we can do to appease their concerns. Yeah, 100%. So tell me about the vision for the school. Like, yeah, so, um, you know, in its completed state, it is going to be phased just due to money. Um, but in its completed state, we're hoping to have five different classrooms. So ceramics in phase one, we'll have ceramics and then a general classroom and then a, another classroom that in its fin in its finished state will be a fiber studio. Um, but in phase one, it'll likely those two classrooms will be like a catch-all for wood shop and metal shop. But we also will have a wood shop and metal shop on their own when all of the the, the classrooms are built. And so. Um, yeah, we're hoping that the ceramic studio will be a mix of locals and people coming from out of town. We're going to have nine tent cabins um, that will have, you know, so ideally you can come up for the weekend, take a class, like one to two day class, stay in nature. We're going to have a food truck at first before we build a commercial kitchen. Um, so you can stay completely at the land if you want, or you can go into town. Town's like 20 minutes away. We're, we're kind of halfway between downtown Grass Valley and downtown Auburn. Um, and so there's, there's within 15 to 20 minutes, there's a lot of places to eat and, you know, you can stay at hotels there too, if you don't want to, um, to tent camp. Um, and I think ideally when we get into later phases, some of those cabins will, some of those tent cabins will turn into more permanent cabins. So you'll have a mix of, you know, different pricing accommodations. Um, we're working through right now, um, whether this is going to be a nonprofit or for profit, we're definitely leaning towards it being a nonprofit um, just because we want all of the money that the school makes to go back into the school to make it the best that it can be instead of having to, you know, pay off investors and <clears throat> ROI and <laughs> all sure. that stuff that goes with a for profit. So we're needing to do that like entity formation now so we can get to the point where we can um, raise money and you know, figure out all the endowments and grants and all of that kind of stuff. So really happy that this is now my full-time job because that's going to be, keep me very busy. I was going <laughs> to say, I mean, it is definitely more than a full-time job because, um, I was also wondering, are you planning on teaching some of the classes at first or are you going to be bringing in folks or is we'll be bringing in folks mostly. I mean, there are some classes that I, I could teach, like, you know, I could definitely teach knitting. Jay could teach, um, a lot of different metal classes or knife classes. Um, you know, I've taken a, a lot of classes over the years and I do do a lot of crafts, but in terms of teaching, I don't know if that's really my forte. Sure. I like, I do, I've taken so many classes from amazing teachers that I would love to, to have teach at the, at the school. Um, and just, you know, meet a ton of different artists and engage them. The handcraft studio school, um, the owner of that school that closed during COVID Marie, I in, engaged her uh, about a month ago to talk to her to see if she had any advice and if she 
could introduce me to some of her teachers and just get her expertise because I loved her school when she was doing it. And I, her offering was always really compelling. You know, every time she would send out her calendar, I, you know, always wanted to take classes. And so, um, involving her, you know, give definitely gives us a little bit of credibility. And so working closely with her when it comes to building the curriculum and just, we have a pretty big community of artists in the Bay area and there's a ton of craft schools on the, on the East coast, like Penland and Haystack. And there's a, a ton out there, but there's not really very many in on the West coast. And so hoping to connect with some of those uh, schools as well and get some of those artists to be able to bring some of those teachers out to the West coast. That is um, so cool. That, and I'm yeah. assuming that this will also be like multi-generation, all ages. You know, I think it's mostly going to be adults. Okay. Um, kind of think of it as like a summer camp for adults. Oh, yeah, 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 100%. <laughs> um, mainly because it just gets a little bit crazy with like liability when it gets into kids. and um, But maybe like 16 and above, I think we could probably do. But um not really thinking it's going to be like a kid's summer yeah. camp. I feel like those those kind of things are more out there right yeah. now. And, you know, they're more accessible. Um, this would be more of a uh, an adult environment. I love that. I do, um, I call them adult band camps because I'm a musician yeah. as well on the side. And so, yeah, I've gone to West Virginia, um, Maine. I've gone to outside of Boston um, for these like, different music camps and it's just a bunch of adults getting together for a weekend and doing classes and learning from great people. And then you have communal meals and you have jam sessions and hanging out Mm -hmm. in the evening way too late and then trying to do it again the next day. And it's, it's super fun. It's exhausting, but it's so fun. Yeah. 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 Having something like that, but revolving around craft is definitely the aim. And, you know, we hope to have residencies and memberships and being able to have like a sliding scale and scholarships for people that can't necessarily afford to come. I would say that one of the things that has always been a struggle for why I've never gone to the East coast is, you know, a lot of those classes are really expensive and I'm hoping to, to just, I don't hopefully, you know, when we get into the, the nuts and bolts of the class schedule and creating that, I'm hoping to make it as affordable as possible. So it's as accessible as possible for anybody that wants to come. So that's so cool. So uh, do you have a name for it? So, um, it's going to be called the land because that's what we, that's how we always refer to the land. And also it's kind of, you know, going back to the land with, you know, utilizing handicrafts and, Mm -hmm. you know, surviving on the land um and so that's what that's what the school is going to be called we right now have um it's called wolfcraft collective which is like i i make yarn from so our neighbors up in grass valley have like 20 alpacas and when i met them they 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 just love having the animals and they have no idea what to do with the fiber so i bought some of their fiber that was just you know sitting in their garage and got it spun into yarn and so i've been making a bunch of yarn um and that's all under the wolfcraft collective oh that is so cool that is gorgeous. So, She's holding up this gorgeously wound brownish, deep, rich brownish color of yarn with them, um, with the logo wrapped around. I'm, 
I'm, I'm a, a crocheter, not okay, a knitter, nice. but, um, and not even very good at that, but you know, but I do enjoy it when I do it. And, um, yeah, it's like, put me yarn shops or fabric stores or anything. It's like, I, for, I just love the colors and the textures and that just, oh yeah. Yeah. They're the best. Well, you have to give me your address and I'll send you some yarn. Oh my gosh. Yes, uh, I will. But what I've done, so I have to have like alpaca mixed with merino wool that's mm. super soft. And I have some alpaca. I'm working right now on a pattern that's alpaca mixed with silk. So that's mm. also very smooth and lovely. Um, so I've been working on different patterns and I, I've done a few hat patterns and a few sweater patterns and it's really just a way for me to support my own knitting habit. <laughs> I love it. Um, do you have a link? Because I know I have some listeners that are active knitters and use looms oh, cool. and stuff. And like, so they would probably be really excited to go check it out. Yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah. I can give you, you can a link. So that's there. under, yeah, that's at wolfcraftcollective.com. That's, we still have that website up and running and I, I'm, we haven't decided if we're going to keep Wolfcraft Collective and as the for-profit and create the land as the nonprofit. I, we're still trying to work through what that looks like. Um, so yeah, I, I'll definitely give you, give you that link. And so we've got lots of yarn. We've done, I've done a few different batches of different weights and they're all undyed. I did do some indigo dye, um, but like the brown is like, brown mixed with white so it's kind of got a heathered effect and yeah it's gorgeous black alpacas with white um white wool that have been mixed so it's like a heather gray so really beautiful just natural natural colors so yeah i love alpacas um can't wait when we so that's another thing it's once we have the land um and we have the use permit and we're we're up there full time we will definitely have animals. Like I really want to have like a sheep to sweater class, you know, to go through like having sheep, like, you know, getting all of the fiber off them and cleaning it and carding it and spinning it into knitting it into a sweater. So like, I would love to have that kind of class where everybody can kind of come along and, and learn that journey. That would um, be amazing. That'd be so cool. I definitely want to come check it out when you're open hopefully it won't take too long once all the permits and everything are yeah um, yeah hopefully not we're so we're working on renderings right now so I have a landscape architect and I have a architect for the buildings and our civil engineer and um, I'm working on getting a structural engineer to build out you know, all of the like blueprints and everything of the structures that we've already designed with the architect and the landscape architect is working on renderings that'll really help for when it comes to starting to raise money to, so people can see the vision a lot clearer. Yeah. I was um, going to say if you, um, once you get to that point, I imagine you're going to have a site or Patreon or whatever page to help people know. Um, yeah. I think uh, definitely want to be able to share with the listeners like how they can reach you in the meantime or find you and then like be able to know or, or be in the know when, when everything kind of progresses to that stage because they might there might be some folks in California that want to be, you know, and beyond that want to support it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, right now we are, we're at the land GV on Instagram and wolfcraftcollective.com is – where our site is. No, I'll definitely, um, I will include like after this, 
you can email me all the links or things that you want folks to, to share yeah. with folks and I'll put it in the show notes. Um, yeah, your Instagram, your the site. Um, and also if folks are traveling to the Berkeley area, I'll be, I'll include, uh, the article that I wrote about the Colonel, yeah. which is an Airstream yeah. that, that she and Jay renovated. And the article goes through so many amazing details. Um, it's just a gorgeous space. And it's also, you also have a, like a house as well. Airbnb. You yeah. You have so. a house and then in the backyard that we have, we're on a corner. So we have like a really huge lot, which is wonderful. And so we split the backyard into two. So the house has its own side yard and backyard. And then through another entrance, you can stay in the, um, in the airstream with its own, pretty sizable yard so yeah they're both available on airbnb um and it's nice to get up there every once in a while to to stay there and check in and see friends yeah Yeah. i definitely i have friends well from stitch fix obviously in san francisco but um also a friend of mine from grade school uh, works at pixar so we try to see yeah she lives in oakland but we try to see each other you know once or twice a year whenever we used to have summits i would try to coordinate Mm -hmm. dinner with Mm -hmm. her so um do they still have summits? No. <laughs> no. I know. I know. <laughs> Gone were the good old days. I'm just saying there might be good days in the future, but right now we're in the, it's it's definitely a change of regime and, um, yeah. and hopefully some good things that are kind of, you know, we really, we want to delight our clients. That's what we live for. That's what all of us work there for. And, um, yeah. you know, uh, Stitch Fix, part of why I've been there six and a half years and part of the reason for me was the culture and just the amazing colleagues and people. And of course, Katrina Lake getting to, you know, run into her in a hallway and ask her questions at the time way back Mm -hmm. when, I mean, gosh, it was so cool. It was was a great place to work for sure. The, the culture was fantastic. And I love, I love that the culture was so based on feedback that you never taking and receiving feedback was just part of working there. And people, never shied away from giving it and receiving it and I feel like you know from working there like really learned that feedback is such a gift like you just become so much better when people are honest about how you're showing up and it was it was such a such a wonderful place to to work I definitely miss the people that I worked with there yeah yeah 100 percent. I've missed I miss a lot of the folks that have left and moved on um as well and like Um, But I would, you know, I feel the same way. And I remember like some of the classes, the feedback, like we actually were trained in like giving feedback to your colleagues instead of just being like, yeah, you did a good job. It's like, okay, (laughs) you have to give, you know, or you didn't do a good, you know, but like learning how to really be specific and give actionable feedback and all of those things that we really as a culture don't learn well, yeah. we're not good at, and I think probably we're getting worse at with social media. So the, yeah. And like, like starting with like my experience of you is, you yeah. know, so it definitely is grounded in you personally, not like telling people how they are, but like I experienced you in this way and, you know, just making sure that you're not being as confrontational as you probably could be. Yeah. So a hundred percent. That's so cool. Well, um, I, I love hearing your vision. I love, like, I'm so excited for you. I feel like, you know, in a way that change in direction of your profession, it was like unfortunate, but also 
allowing you the opportunity to really go all in on this and be present and be available to like put everything into it. And that's going to, that's going to show up when it manifests because yeah, yeah, it's going to be an amazing place to bring a lot of people together and really, uh, touch their souls and their hearts and connect them with the earth and the land, but also with each other and feel like part of community, like going back to the roots again, which I love. I think it's so cool. Yeah, it's, it's definitely scary, um, but exciting at the same time. And building this will be, you know, already has been so much fun. And every time we're up in Grass Valley at the land, it just feels right. It feels like what we should be doing. And, it's wonderful. Like we're, we're really building an amazing community there. We have wonderful neighbors. Um, and yeah, just excited to be up there full time. That is so cool. Later this year is when that will happen. That's so, I'm so excited for you and maybe I'll have you back on when the school is open. That'd be great. I'd love that. Do a little virtual tour or something. Could you do a special Zoom Yeah, or, or you can you can come to the land. And oh, yes. I should just come. There. That's a better yeah. idea. Yes. Yeah. You don't need to twist my arm to come take a road trip <laughs> and come out. <laughs> so fun. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, Leslie, thank you so much. I mean, it's it was great to chat with you on the phone for the RV article, but um, also just really great to be able to chat sort of virtually in person. Um, yeah. Yeah. And um, I'll let you know uh, when this releases, but um, for everyone listening, I will be sharing in the show notes all the information, and I wish you and Jay just the best. Like, I know it's going to be amazing, even with the ups and downs, it's, what you're going to build is going to be fantastic and really have a legacy impact for generations moving forward. So congratulations. Well, thank you. Yeah. It's such a pleasure to do that. Yeah, totally. You can find Flipping Dreams Podcast anywhere you love to listen to podcasts, or you can find us on RogueMediaNetwork.com. You can also find me on my social media, Facebook at Heather Renee May, on Instagram at underscore every day is May, or on my website at Heather Renee May. Dot com. That's Heather R E N E M A Y dot com. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.